When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is powered by BetOnline.ag and in partnership with the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. This is Season 6, Episode 258, and we kindly ask that you please subscribe to our weekly Bruins Hockey Talk on all worldwide audio podcast platforms and video content on our related Black and Gold Hockey Podcast YouTube channel. That's right, folks. That's right, Bruins fans and holiday lovers. That's Christmas music you hear, and, and this is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast Christmas Edition. And Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy holidays and, and so on. And uh, obviously, I am here with my my good friend, best friend, and host of B&G Pod, Heather Ingerson. Heather, what up? Hello. Bah humbug. No, I'm just kidding. I watched, <laughs> watched Scrooge earlier on the TV when I was at work. Happy holidays, everyone. Glad to be here with you. Glad to be back, as I missed last week. Thank you, Dom, for uh, hanging out with Mark and helping him uh Get the content out there, and also just um, it's awesome. Everyone follow Don Tiano. If you're not, you're I don't know why you're not, but um, yeah. So glad to be here. Happy holidays. Coming into the home stretch, almost done with 2021. Who knows what 2022 will bring? But uh, what a week in Bruins talk. I'm ready? Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to Dom for uh, hooking uh, hooking the time up. Filling in for you. That was a great conversation. One of my favorite people out in the Twitterverse and, and writers and so on. So smart and knowledgeable. And, and I learn something every time I talk to him. So I really appreciate 
uh, his time and effort. And Jesus, we were only supposed to talk for an, an hour, and it went up to an hour and 40 minutes. So unbelievable. But anyway, yeah, I really hope 2022 is going to be better than this year because this is this is an absolute shit show. And, um, and I hate saying that. I hate coming in absolutely hot on on this podcast but it's like i'm i'm like slowly losing my mind a little bit because it feels like it was 80 years ago when it, it, you know what it almost feels like the nhl screwed us again in scheduling like at the beginning of the season when we had one game every freaking 80 days <laughs> that's what i feel like right games. now we got 72 <laughs> games to play in the last six weeks of the season but before yeah. before we get to the Bruins hockey talk, I do want to talk about show sponsored betonline.ag. <laughs> betonline.ag has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues, it's March through the college bowl season and pro football playoffs. Betonline.ag remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just enter our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag has the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all these new amazing offers available. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All right, we're back. We just heard myself talk about betonline.ag it is the holidays and you know christmas is like four days away but you can still go on there set up a free account and uh use the code clns50 to try to win some money go into 2022 with a boatload of cash in your pocket you can do it and it will certainly help our podcast out heather I hereby christen this uh, episode of the podcast the fuck this shit guy episode because (laughs) I am all set. I'm already irritable all the time. I'm a middle-aged woman and I have children and Christmas shopping and all the pressures like everyone does. We're going off the edge. All I have is to watch the Bruins, good, bad, or ugly. Now we can't watch them. We're going to reverse. Sometime last week, in the before times last week when you got to talk to Tom when I wasn't here, uh... Coach Cassidy came back. He came back to the helm. Uh, while he was out, we went three and three, including a couple OT and a shootout loss or whatever, a shootout loss, at least in one OT. Uh, not bad with Joe Sacco at the helm. Coach comes back. Glad to have him back. Talk. We can debate some other time on whether we think they played better when he wasn't there or not. I know that was a little bit of the talk. We can talk about it if you want. I'm not trying to hammer Cassie. I just mean that was one of the narratives I mean, last week. To be t- to be honest with you, Heather, it's something to talk about because you know there's there's several different avenues when you think about how the team performed with and without him. So I mean, we could definitely get into it. So yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about it because. I personally think that we did play better when he wasn't here. And I'm not saying it's anything him, but remember we even just talked about, maybe it's not him so much, but the room, the message is a little somehow not translating or whatever is clear throughout the year. But I would say, I don't know. I mean, Joe Sacco looked all right to me. At least it was a change of voice, even though it's the same message, you know, it's 
like you telling me something and someone else telling me something I might listen to. So what are your thoughts on it? How do you think well, you play? before we start talking about the actual games? Just. Yeah. I, I, I believe that the uh, Bruins ownership management, uh, they got a good look at what if, you know, um, this, this kind of reminds me of a prospect that gets his chance uh, at the NHL, you know, and we get to see what he can do when he's not a, a full-time member of the, of the team and around here all the time, somebody new and blah, blah, blah. If he performs great, if he doesn't, you know, it is what it is. We're back to this, just square one. I kind of think of that this way with ownership and management, kind of evaluating what could happen, how this team can respond in case something does happen. And I'm not, I'm not, we're not clamming for a, a Cassidy firing. We're not those people. We're not, we're not pitchforks and, and torches outside of Don Sweeney's office right now. But what we're saying it kind of get a feeling that the message is getting stale in my opinion. And I like that there was a little bit of evaluation to see uh, what could happen. I, we are technically kind of in, a, in, the, in the playoff picture right now. Um, we could get a wild card. I don't think firing Cassidy at this point is going to actually do much at all. Uh, especially, you know, it, we wouldn't be talking like this if we were in first place, second place in the division, but you know, I, I don't think that I don't think it's a coaching thing. I think it's a player thing. I think we need more players to be more successful. And I'm not seeing I'm not seeing a lot of folks being bought in, especially some some higher name talent. And I'm just going to say it. Uh, Taylor Hall has been kind of a, a no show lately. I mean, the game's there away from the park, but I want to see finish. I want to see more shots and, and I'm not seeing it. So I don't think it's the coaching. I think I think it's what's going up and down the bench right now. You don't think it you don't think at all it's the coaching? You don't think at all that he hasn't lost that rum a little? I mean, I might have been joking about it before the West Coast swing, but I'm not I mean, I'm certainly not clamoring for Cassidy to be fired or whatever, but just like maybe the goaltending, like your expectations gotta come down a little, you know, because although Cassidy's a great coach, that even great coaches need to adapt to learn that, you know, like I, I mean, we can talk about it later when I like mentioned the David Backus interview, but maybe Cassidy needs to find new ways to give the same message. Maybe it's not about players feeling uncomfortable or not liking him. Maybe, you know, as refreshing it is for people to think him calling out players, like, I don't remember what I was listening to. It might've even been like Jeff Merrick or something, but someone had said, you know, Young players, like just generally of this generation, they're not used to being called out in public, things like that. That maybe, you know, just like we used to say with Coach Claude, you got to know how to use the young kids or whatever. Right. Maybe Cassidy needs to learn that his open honesty is great and is one of his strengths, but he also needs to know when maybe, and we've even mentioned this with like a Jake DeBrus, that might be aggravating some of the like, you know, and that is just a the way that, that they're developed today um just it's more of an individual uh like each individual player has to be nurtured in their own way instead of just kind of 
it's not just about the overall team. It's about how you get everyone into feeling they're most comfortable and stuff. I mean, I'm not, like I said, I don't think Cassidy needs to be fired, but I do think that we played a hell of a lot better that week. He wasn't there. And I don't think it's because he wasn't there. I just think, like I said, maybe it was a different way to get the same message across. So um, that being said, I'm not going to blame Cassidy for anything that happened this last week. We'll talk about, yes, in the before times, way long time ago on Tuesday, we played the Las Vegas Golden Knights after having a, brilliant stretch of play in Canada for the way we had been playing, you know what I mean? Giving us hope, giving us light. And then Craig Smith and Brad Marchand went into the protocols. <laughs> That's not good, but we played the Vegas Knights. We lost four to one at home. Uh, Bergeron scored from Taylor Hall. Um, to, to go back to Taylor Hall for one second, I think, I think that Taylor Hall is uninspired. I think it's nothing against Charlie Coyle, but in the real world, Charlie Coyle is a third line center mm. and Taylor Hall is a top line left wing. And the chemistry, him and Krejci, and it's not about bringing Krejci back before you make a face or anybody out there cringes. My point is, is they had instant chemistry, right? And with Krejci, he had a center that was on his level, like, you know, more elite talent of like what those players play. Krejci's been playing with those players his whole time and Jake DeBrusque. Um, he doesn't feel that with crazy. Like maybe let Eric Halla or someone be his center on that second line for a little bit, just to maybe give him a different feel for chemistry. Not saying I want Eric Halla to be our second line center either, but you can definitely tell there isn't enough chemistry between Hall and Coyle. And I don't know why that is, but sometimes just players don't gel like that. That's going to continue to be a problem. And I understand it's on Taylor Hall to figure it out and get it done. But at the same time, it's hard to be a turbo jet and be running with like a dual engine. You know, it's just, that's just yeah. my thought. Not there. But anyways, yeah, Bergeron scored. Other than that, uh, Swayman stopped 21 out of 25, but we didn't look very good about against Vegas. We knew it'd be Boy. iffy with those two boys out of the lineup, but ugh, go ahead. <laughs> Jeremy Swayman certainly come down to earth. And, and I'm not saying that in a snarky way that I want him to not succeed, but man, I mean, I, I pumped as high as hard, but I also understood that, you know, playing 10 NHL games just wasn't enough of a sample size for me to be like, uh, this, this guy's going to be it now. I thought he was going to be it later, you know, in, in real world problems, you know, uh, that we're going through right now. If none of this shit's happening, he's in Providence. It, there's no doubt about it. Re and Garas has already resigned. Because he's not injured, and this in this stupid pandemic never freaking happened. So in a real world, he's down in Providence, but and that's not a bad thing. I don't understand why people get so aggravated when when they when they hear that his availability to go down to Providence on his on his uh, entry level contract and his waiver exempt that they freak out. They're like, no, this is the kid right now. It's like, oh yeah, well, it's worked so well in other organizations. That's going to be the reality anyways, because you and I both know they're signing to Karask and Jeremy Swayman will end up in Providence. And Allmark, who did play, I think, what we'll talk in Dude. a second when we play the Islanders, I think that Allmark has been playing much better. And it's oh not been God, perfect, really? but he's still been playing with the same defense. But he's coming into his own. And Jeremy Swayman is fine. He also has a sloppy-ass defense in front of him. We still, yep. as a team, need to clear out in front of our goaltender, things like that. But... Yeah. Oh, wow. You mean the 22 year old goaltender is just a human being and he's awesome and will be awesome. You mean he's having a struggles here and there, but like, that's what you also want. He's here. He's not in Providence. 
you got to watch him struggle because that's also how he'll work it out, you know, and yep. see where he lands. But let's get you some reality. Of, that's part of development. That's yeah. all of that shit you're just talking about is part of development. And that's one thing that people have to realize that, you know, him going down is not going to stunt his growth per se. And it's not going to be an, emo- I mean, it might be a, like, Hey, just got to be better. You know, that that's the kind of work ethic this kid has. I, I just think that people just are overblowing this whole thing when they, you know, freak out about it, but whatever. You mean Jeremy Swayman's fine about it too. And he kind of knows how it goes. Cause he's been developing yeah. to an NHL goaltender his whole life and understands the steps. Yeah. yeah and if you talk, if you, and if you talk to former goaltenders, they're just like, that's part of the entry level process. You cannot expect to be in the NHL full time when you get a taste in an entry level deal. You have to realize that at, at, at a moment's notice, you're down in 95 heading to Providence. So. And again, like I said, I don't think Swayman's worried, but Tuca was on the ice again <laughs> last week Why they could be at practice and whatnot. And that's the reality, dude. Tuca Rask is playing for veteran minimum salary and $325,000 worth of Bud Light. That's what Tuca Rask <laughs> is coming. All right. Um, yeah, I know. I'm fucking hilarious. But uh, so anyways, uh, I forgot to mention that Stanik and Steen got like real emergent call up. Um, Tuesday, we went to go play uh, in I mean, we played that. Sorry. And then Wednesday and Thursday, we had more people enter the lovely list, not Santa's good list, not his naughty list, but the protocol list. Uh, Bergeron came real quick and everyone was like, oh, there are no Bergy or Marshawn, which I know I felt that personally, but quickly followed by Anton Bleed, Trent Frederick, and Jeremy Swayman. Swayman, I know, has been struggling, but we don't need him on the list. And Bleed and Frederick, although obviously not your top superstars, have been doing their best to try and hold down the fort on the third and fourth line, wherever they're yep. being asked to play. Um, and, you know, again, not two players that knock my socks off generally, but I will say that they have definitely been trying to play their role the best they can to not make it worse. You know what I mean? With having yep. uh, some of these bigger name uh, players out there. Uh, but we lost to the Islanders. Uh, but Mike Riley, what the hell, right before the game ended, School. Like what? Allmark got an assist on that, by the way, with Brandon Carlo. Um, yes. But yeah, we looked, I think we looked even worse versus the Islanders, but also the Islanders game was the first game that we were actually down. Like we didn't have enough players. We were what had like seven, 16 or something like. Pickens yeah, they had 11 forwards and, and, you know, six defensemen, whatever. It was just, yeah, a, yeah it was just. Oh, it was bad. But yeah, you know, if you're able to play, if you're able to play and it's on the schedule and blah, 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 you have to go. I just don't like the idea of everybody going shut it down because we don't have a full lineup and it's unfair. Well, this is your your schedule to play 82 games. Who's participating doesn't freaking matter. You call up next man mentality. You get all that shit rolling and you find out a way to put a sustainable roster on there. It's not about fair or not, in my opinion. So I would agree with that with the, um, you know, for like generally if it's a team or two, but I do understand and we'll talk about it with the league, why they decided to pause because it was starting to become a huge imbalance of, I mean, what there's only four teams that don't have anybody on a list of some sort. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to run down this really 
when we started the season, we were like, yes, there's so much hope. We're going to be third <laughs> or whatever. This is I, the I said lineup. second. I this said is the, second. the sexy lineup that uh, we fielded the other day. Well, not fielded, I guess. Iced, I don't have no idea. Carlo Clifton, Coyle, DeBrusque, Felino, Fobert, Froden. That's right, Jesper Froden and uh, Steen got called up. Or, I mean, uh, I don't know. I have it written down. Grizzlick, Taylor Hall, Eric Halla, Coleman, Lazar, McElvoy, Nosek, Pasternak, Riley, Stadnika, and Allmark. And you know that at least three people on that was like looking around like, are you fucking shitting me? These are like, I'm sorry, did I get sent down to the AHL? Like I did what Taylor Hall's like, I know you're piss coach, but <laughs> what is this? No. Um, in all seriousness, picking it's slim pickings at this point because even our call-ups are going on to the list. Um, yeah, that was a real sexy lineup. I know me and probably everyone else in Bruins universe was like, meh, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. And like you said, you've got a soldier on, but yeah. oh, I'm going to need some more soldiers, I think, uh, different soldiers. Um, but that's a discussion maybe for later. <laughs> um, yeah, so keep... Oh, sorry. Kyle Kaiser, I meant to mention. He, him and Froden are the ones that got pulled up because we're swimming out. Oh my, Tuka's still not signed. There's the whole thing. And yeah. now this week comes the the freeze tomorrow. You can't Holiday make freeze. trades and everything like that. Cat freeze through the new year or whatever, or the after break. And that's also partly why it's getting so messy. Because this isn't anybody who only listens about brewing stuff in their life. This is a league wide issue currently at this problem. It was an us problem on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday and a couple other teams like the flames, the Canucks, the Canes and a few other people. Now this isn't everybody's problem except for like the wild Vegas and maybe one other team. But um, overall that was really sucky. We looked like shit. And uh, I just wanted to ask you, do you think, that they should have before they ever pause the Montreal game for Saturday, which they did. And that we'll talk about that in a second. The weird pause the idea they had at first. Do you think the minute the Bruins had six people basically within three days, go on to the uh, protocol list pandemic list, if you will, do you think the first game they should have paused was the Islanders game? Um, not because uh, they were shorthanded or anything like that, but just because oh, so many yeah. people were testing positive in that short a time. I don't know. I don't know. I really can't answer that to be uh, totally honest with you because I'm, I'm more or less if, if it's on the, if it's on the schedule and you're available to play, you play. So, right. But in a certain situation like this, don't you think that's counterintuitive when we know at least five teams well, that played a certain team and then started having these outbreaks. Therefore, like if we bring it to the Islanders say, and they don't, they didn't have yeah. it, you know what I mean? And now yeah, because we've seen more people continue to, we've had staff member go in, Brandon Carlo went into protocol today. Uh, we'll talk about Lazar and Taylor Hall's join the list after this game. That's when they decided to pause Saturday versus Montreal, which is always a heartbreaker. But I'm sure the Canadians like keep your freaking pandemic riddled Bruins asses away from us. Also, Quebec just went into lockdown again or whatever. So right. uh, provinces, things are pretty bad up in Canada right now uh, as it goes. Um, but I just was one. I personally think they should have first done that because that would have given an extra day to test all of the players. Do you know what I mean? Before you yeah. potentially bring it. 
but that that's just my opinion. Um, I think they had a better chance of playing the Islanders and not crossing the border. Well, and I understand that. That's why. And they did just a for clarification. They did fly directly. They basically went from Boston to airport to arena. Yeah. whatever and then back to airplane so it was private charter and they didn't expose besides the islanders but again right. i'm just concerned you know all the teams seem to it's like oh my god all these people all played each other now they've got the cooties i can't like the cooties are spreading um <laughs> yeah sorry um so this is what i thought was weird is they they postponed the saturday game on the 18th we were supposed to play versus montreal but didn't do the ottawa game but had already postponed the Colorado game that was supposed to happen tomorrow. What's today? The 21st, I guess, Thursday, I guess Thursday, the 23rd, we were supposed to play Colorado. This is strange to me because as you just mentioned, at least playing the Islanders, they're not recrossing the border. But if you sent us to Ottawa, you would have still, it it was only a 12 hour span. I mean, they were supposed to leave the arena, go to Ottawa for the next day's game. It's not like there was that big of a gap of time that if people already had the stuff, the cooties, that they wouldn't have not had the cooties had they gone to Ottawa. That was just a weird. And I know they have to test and if so many people percentage wise or something. And that's they were waiting to see how many people if there were new positives or something. But did that seem weird? Like, let's already pause the Colorado game. But maybe still send them to Canada, even though Lazar and Taylor Hall joined the list of the positive cases you see, on Saturday morning. So this is what I heard is because Montreal's in Quebec and Ottawa's in Ontario, mm-hmm. that there's two different provinces that they were working with. And they had a better chance to play against Ottawa if they were ready. Um, the other thing was that they were ready on a private jet to do the testing before on Sunday morning, because this was supposed mm-hmm. to be a five o'clock game. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday morning, they were all ready to go and do their testing. And if anybody failed, they would stay back. They wouldn't yeah. weren't even allowed on the plane, nothing. And then what they were going to do is they were going to fly in, no practice, fly in, play the game and get the hell out of there before, because if you stay a whole day or longer, you would have to do, go through the testing up there. And if you popped a positive, you'd have to stay up there in quarantine. That's one thing that yeah. they were very concerned about. Crossing the border, no matter if it's if it's Ontario or Quebec. Right. But to, to get in and out and, and forget about that, that yeah. was a better idea in Ottawa than it was in Montreal. But uh, in the Washington it's a way... Sick. Yeah, it's about the same distance. Like, we were lucky. It's not like with Sebastian Ajo and them, like, you can't, I mean, you can drive from Vancouver to yes. Raleigh, but that's a three to four day adventure. And, yes, yes. and they did, they made special arrangements, right. To get the Canes, Ajo and a staff member or something that had to stay yep. behind. They drove them to the border. They gave them the boot. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Like I said, do you want to know my new song? Blame it on the flames. No, I'm just kidding. I love Calgary. You know that, but I do have to say everybody was making out with Calgary that week. And now everybody's got the mono. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. So basically the league then decides after Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar go in that mm, maybe we're just going to not let the Bruins do stuff until after the Christmas break. We'll just cancel the Ottawa game. We've already postponed the December 23rd game. Um, 
I think this was a wise decision. We had 11 people in the organization were in protocol. Don Sweeney said everyone seems to have mild to zero to mild symptoms. Everyone seems all right. He did uh, give an update Saturday morning, a little press conference, and he talked about, you know, there's been a lot of talk from all the teams about maybe figuring out a way for cap relief. So if they have to pull more people up, you know, for teams, because let's face it, even if we went to Ottawa, we would have been limping into Ottawa with like 15 players, maybe. Right. I mean, yeah. we, we would have been way more down than we would have um, overall for, I mean, it does get to a point where are you really fielding a professional team out there, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but I'm not that they're not professionals. I don't mean to disrespect anybody who's not on the big club, but just generally, I mean, if you're the big league, you got to play. Uh, so they put them on pause. This I have to mention too, is that that doesn't just affect the Bruins because in essence, and we're not the only ones. There were a couple other clubs that also got kind of like, mm, yeah, well, we're going to postpone, postpone. You know what? Never mind, guys. We'll see you on the 27th or whatever. That affects, like, in our situation, the Boston Pride now can't show up to there because they closed all the facilities. And obviously, we share a practice facility, and that's their home ice. So that also made Pride games be postponed. And they can't go and practice either, and nobody can be on the ice. And how's Tuca ever going to come back if he can't be out there at practice? No. I did want to mention it, though. Like This is part of the like effect that we're going to see because – what do you want? I mean, they share the same facility and now that's affecting a different total league. And I don't know. It's just, it's getting, I don't want to use the word scary because I'm not a scare person. And we're talking about at least in the NHL and it's not just in the NHL, the NFL is playing football on Tuesday night for probably the first time, never, you know, tonight to make up games that had to be postponed. They of course play one game a week. It's a little easier to reschedule than it is in a, you know, with basketball and hockey, but What's concerning me most is this shows how fast maybe if it is the new variant these gentlemen are getting and whatever, they, how quickly it can spread like that. Like I said, four teams played each other over a course of a week and half the league, there's like 18% of the rosters or something like that in, uh, you know, in protocol. That's just the rosters, not even maybe any other personnel trainers or anybody else who might be in that. So I'm not like a scare attack person. I know this is, I mean, I know this is something we've no, been it's scared just about. Getting it old. It's just right. getting old. That's it. It's just, this is not routine. This is not, this is not a good feeling for us because we're, we're passionate Bruins fans. We love sports period. Let's, let's not, let's not sugarcoat that there's three other highly successful leagues in, in, in North America that, you know, but, you know, it's, I'm just tired of it. I need my hockey. I need it on schedule. You know, once you put out the 82 game schedule, let's stick to it. I want to roll with this. And when it doesn't happen, it sucks. And when it happens like this, it's terrible. And I know I sound selfish when people are, you know, actually sick and this and that and going through some tough times. We don't, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not that selfish. We do think about those people and so on, but it's just, it's just so getting old. Sick of it. Yeah. And I, you know, for me, it's like all the major sports leagues, right. And major oh. league soccer, just their season was not that long ago too. And we had all the big sports on around the same time. You knew this was inevitable. And I'm certainly someone who I'm, you know, a reasonable person will wear a mask. If you ask me to, I got my vaccine. I don't judge anybody who do not, does not do these things. 
So I, I am on board with like, we got to kind of figure out how to get through it. Like you said, it's on the schedule. It's whatever. Why still being reasonable human beings and doing their part, which I think that overall the NHL as a league has done. We had, this is different though. When Vancouver had their outbreak last year and a couple teams did there, they weren't vaccinated. They weren't whatever. Now we're dealing with fully vaccinated on the whole, except for one person. We all know Tyler Bertuzzi isn't, but he came down with it, I think. So now he at least has, you know, some kind of natural immunity to it (laughs) on some level, but still can't cross the border and stuff. Right. But yeah, some of the coaches and people over, but as a league, there's only like one person, Tyler Bertuzzi, who is not vaccinated on the whole. Most like the athletes are young and mostly healthy. Right. Um, They can take precautions for those who know their own, you know, like we know Max Domi is very open about being a diabetic, you know what I mean? Things like that. Yeah. But as a league and with their own doctors, they can do those little things. But I do think it was important that the league and the Players Association, one thing I think this week that they've done quite well is instead of fighting each other, which oftentimes comes across, you know, that they're like clashing heads instead of, they all said, you know what, we need to end, we need to revamp some advanced protocols, which look a lot like stuff that was happening last year. But that's important as a league. Uh, I think it it's a that's how they'll get through it. They need to know when to have the fight over certain things and when to say this affects all of us. Like you, you know, like you said, crossing the border, whatever. I mean, I'm in the mindset we vote Canada off the island back to the North Division, and we'll talk to you maybe in June at the playoffs. Like you guys just stay up there. Yeah. Like, and I joke because obviously it's scary. I don't want the border to be closed with Canada. I don't want our friends in the North and us and hockey's also an international sport like this affects i don't want to see these guys and uh you know women that work in the staff and stuff slide back in to all we're already all stressed out like you said we're all at our wits end on this right but Mm -hmm. we also don't have to get tested four times a week I, i know some people do out there you and i personally i'm just saying um we don't have a job in which we have to also have every little thing you do affects 500 other people all the time things like that and i think they've done a good job but i think i'm glad to see that they're willing to put the protocols in place that the players understand and they maybe that's part of the brotherhood of the hockey world or whatever or any sporting world but well it for me i want to touch on what football is doing and i normally don't speak very well of football because i can't stand the sport but look what they're doing right now with some players like they're not acting on this whole pandemic thing because somebody's you know sick i mean let me rephrase that i'm sorry that that totally sounded bad what they're doing is they're not making a big issue until you have symptoms right if you don't have symptoms and you're able to play you're going out there and playing once you show up symptoms then it's like okay now we have to quarantine you and, and lock you out and i think that hockey should take an approach like that we're dealing with, and like I think you uh, alluded to a little earlier, very healthy, healthy human beings here. These guys are at the top, the echelon of the world of athletic capabilities and training and so on. It's going to be hard for somebody like this to pass away. So, and hopefully that doesn't happen. But I just wish that they would do something because if this is not going to go away, we need to take the appropriate steps to try to get these games done in an 82 game schedule without these stupid freaking speed bump. At the same time, I do think that 
we are not at a place where some of these protocols can't be in place. Like personally, I want the people to be able to have team dinners, but I do think like a responsible thing to do would be not just 30 guys showing up at a bar in their wives, but to rent a private room at an establishment so that they're still kind of at least keeping it amongst themselves. Yeah. I, see, I, I'm not a medical person and a lot of things that you hear aren't necessarily medically driven. So like, I don't know. On one hand, yes, everyone's healthy. And like I said, I'm fully on board for like you do. We do have to just keep living and moving forward. I also think like right now there is a huge spike, right? And especially say like the N- the NFL, not everybody is vaccinated and there's been several high name people who have even been faking. And I'm not saying other people can't do that. Like that's exclusive to play, but I have to think of the overall effect, right? Because again, we're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of people who are, although not necessarily flying commercial, right? They're still walking through airports. They're still staying in hotels. They're still being exposed to a lot of other people, you know, and it has to be considered of even if I'm asymptomatic, right? Asymptomatic doesn't mean you can't spread it. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. And I think that's what they're saying. And I think just generally that like right now with the pause, I think this is just a moment of saying, you know what? Maybe we can stop it from getting worse and contain it so that we can continue to play and get through it because there have been cases throughout this season. They have not, there's only been a handful of times that they postponed a game over it. Right. It's just really been this last week where they've started to seriously reschedule games. Hardcore. And they'll have to figure out how to make those up. And I agree with you. You want to get the 82. None of these leagues want to not have the games because people still want to get paid. They still want to get paid. Advertisers want their shit out there. And all of it makes the world go round. And we all know that sports betting and things like that literally make billions of dollars. I I saw like New Jersey's or something. It was like one point something billion in one month. Or whatever in revenue kind of thing or something like that. So I understand all sorts of businesses get affected by that. I also do think that this is why it's important that the NHLPA or whatever and the NHL are a united front. That no one is getting railroaded, especially in a league that has a history of being railroaded, you know. And to me, that shows that the players themselves, even though maybe they want a little less testing, this and that, maybe adjust these. Overall, they're willing to do whatever they need to do so everyone can stay as safe and healthy as possible, not be the catalyst to spread it in the community to everybody else if they do have it, mainly because they also are young, healthy athletes, and most of them are going to be asymptomatic. Uh, At least the variants that we've been seeing seem to be just as catchy, but maybe not as severe anyways. Um, You know, which is all good things. But that being said, not good is the NHL, and they all agreed we're just going to put this shit on hold. Uh, they can go back. Um, I mean, but the, the numbers are really insane. There's 131 players that are actively in protocol. That's 18% of the rosters. That's 20% yeah. of the active. And even if you pull people up, what good does it do if we Anton bleed test positive? He thought he was safe up here, not playing in Providence when they had their little problem a few weeks ago. Only to, you know, where. Well, Anton's never been down. No, no, he's been playing up for a long time. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like he probably was if like, he goes down, wanted... he has to go through the waivers. Right. No, what I mean is he was probably like, whew, being up here with the Boston Bruins is saving me from that 
shut down down there only to find himself on the big team and we get ours next. I think it is kind of funny. It took, there's been a gap since that happened in Providence to us. I thought if it was going to happen, it would have been when that was happening, people coming in and out from the, you know, replacing for injuries, but there's 24 teams out of 32 that have at least one person. And there are like six or seven teams. Like we have like 11 people in there or something like that. Maybe 10. I don't know. Marshawn might be, if he tests, he should be getting close. Cause I think once they test positive, I believe they have, they have to be in the thing for 10 days or something. And then they can yeah. start testing out or something like that. So I don't know, but they've postponed 50 games in the last eight days. So good news is, is the Bruins will be playing twice a day for the months of March, <laughs> April and May um, and everybody else. Um, yeah, and they finally did today. There was only one more game, I think, that hadn't been postponed or canceled. That was Tampa Bay versus Vegas. But I hope everyone can go home. And they said you can come, they can come back on the 26th. No one can go to their practice arenas, anything like that, till the 26th. The 26th is only for testing, travel, and practice. In, but not until after two o'clock in the afternoon, which assumingly means because games will resume next Monday. Hopefully we'll be playing Pittsburgh. I don't know. I want, can we take a break from talking about the <laughs> blame it on the flame syndrome? Yeah. Uh, we'll schedule back in. Uh, <laughs> we'll get back to that after break, but I want to hear from Bruce Sullivan, baby. What do you think? Yeah. Let's hear from Bruce Sullivan. He is the awesome person that runs Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, and he has fantastic stuff. As I always say every week on this uh, Black and Gold Hockey podcast, because he's an amazing person, and he gets us our jerseys that we do for our Patreon giveaways that will be given um, away in mid-January. So we got another one up for up for grabs. I'm not sure which one. I think it's going to be the Terry O'Reilly jersey. What do you think? Terry O'Reilly sound good? All right. Yes, I love Terry O'Reilly. All right. We will talk to uh, – well, actually, we'll hear from Bruce and the amazing stuff that he has, and we'll uh, touch base on the other side. Be right back. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. We are pleased to announce our new signing Sunday, December 19th with Bruins legend Terry O'Reilly. Stay tuned for photos, pucks, jerseys, and more. Our Black Friday sales event has been extended through Christmas. Choose any autographed JSA authenticated inscribed Bruins jersey from our list for just $69 or buy three or more and pay just $59 with free shipping. Choose from Busick, Cheevers, Middleton, Marcotte, or Terry O'Reilly. Give the gift of Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito this holiday season. We have Orr photos for just $125 and Esposito for just $59. Or take home the ultimate Orr, 40 by 35 inch autograph special edition photo and puck display for just $329. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! (laughs) 
All right, and we're back. We just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan. And even though that Christmas is probably going to be over when you hear this, check him out anyway. Like I said several times before, like write that email address down. Email him to see who's coming up in his private signings. And uh, and just and follow the Facebook page. Follow, uh, Share it because he gives away free stuff if you do that. But, uh, yeah, he's awesome. So, uh, Boston, uh, Bruce Sullivan, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, uh, fantastic uh, sponsor, our our mid-show commercial, and we've loved having him. It's been a fantastic freaking year, and uh, hopefully Bruce works with us in 2022. All right, Heather, hey, let's, let's do it. Okay, thanks, Bruce. Um, okay, so I guess we'll talk about now to go to the garden. Everyone know that you must show your proof of vaccination. Uh we bring it up because, A, that's what's going on. Also, Boston, the city, is implementing some vaccination rules starting on January 15th. Uh, but I guess what we wanted to talk about really more is uh, what about the enforcement of it? Because so far, it's been a fucking joke at sporting events and stuff. I mean, of people keeping masks on, doing whatever, showing vaccination, you know, like, I mean, they can do whatever they want. But how, do you think that this is gonna be enforced or do you think it's like gonna start being enforced and then just like the mask like no one's making a meaningful effort to make fourteen thousand people wear masks i i don't know heather to be honest with you because there's a lot of people that i know that have season tickets or they go to the games regularly and they all come back with feedback on this um on this particular topic and tell me that it's very everybody has a mask when you get in line and then you go through and you, you give your vaccination card or a photo of it. And you know what's sad is like some people are even like photoshopping their own freaking their own yeah. uh, vaccination card. And it's getting through. It's like but then, you know, you go through security and then the tickets and then by 10 feet away from the from the guy that's taking the ticket or scanning it, people are taking the masks off, you know, and, and you know, going and sitting down and the ushers are not doing anything about it. If you look at a TD garden like game, a home game, look in the crowd. There's not a lot of people wearing masks and, and, you know, do what you want to do and so on. But, and it, as a human being and blah, 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 we're not telling you to mask up or not mask. I don't, I, I'm not going to get into polit- politics of that fucking bullshit, but <clears throat> I will say, man. yeah, I know. I know. But I will say that if you're going to like put the mandates out there publicly and so on, uh, man up and enforce it, man. Or don't mm. bother saying it. Mm. That's my thing about this team. It's like, oh, we're going to be strict and we're going to do this. This is our building. We're going to make sure everybody's healthy. Well, are you are you really to the fullest abiding by what you're preaching? I, I just don't see it. I, I just think teams and organizations really need to buckle down. There's several times that I've heard from writers on Twitter. It's been public that are saying that when they go to these events to cover them as media members, a lot of the times going in, they're using the same accesses and so on, like a garage and so on. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing maskless players, windows down, passing pens back and forth. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's where you got to man. That's where you got to say it too. If you were able to do it in bubbles, like in the, like last year, whatever, um, you might be able to do it this year by telling organizations if you don't follow the rules that you're putting out there on a regular. If you don't follow, then you get fined. Well, I, I don't know. 
on one hand, I think it's the individual venues have to make, because every state's different, right? But I remember my cousin came up from Florida, Labor Day or whatever, and he, of course, is a huge Boston Red Sox fan, and he's not home often, so he took his girlfriend to a Red Sox game. And he's like, that's a fucking joke. He's like, all I've been hearing about is how at home it's like every like everyone's acting like it's on lockdown up in the Northeast when I'm at the Red Sox game with 10,000 other people or whatever, and people are drinking beers, no mask, yelling, sweet Caroline or whatever, and no one's making them do it. He's like, so he, he was just commenting on interested is because just like we get, you know, you hear like some people, it's like, live free or die to the fullest kind of like eat, drink and be merry kind of situation. Yeah. And then other people like, don't do, do. Hey, was that I Brandon that came and, up? Yes. Was that Brandon? Cousin. Yeah, I love Shout Robert. out Brandon if you're listening, bud. <laughs> Yeah, and so you know he loves him as some Red Sox, so he had to go to Fenway when he was home. But my thing is, how do you? Okay, so you can probably enforce the vaccine thing, but I think that should be there should be a database, not that will violate someone's HIPAA thing, but something that just like when you scan my driver's license or ID, it clicks because it is authenticated by the state of Massachusetts DMV or whatever the app. I don't know exactly what happens. Exactly. I'm not in charge of that. Same thing. So some states have already started implementing like a vaccine passport, quote unquote, which is really an app in which your shit is uploaded into and can be verified by scanning it through this app that it is a legitimate card. Because like you said, not everyone's being honest. People are photoshopping. We do live in an area of the country where there is um, pretty good vaccination rates. So the chances are most people's are valid and they're not trying to pretend like they are but some people are but once you're in if the whole thing is being in close capacity with people over a lengthy time is when you're most transmissible of things yeah how do you enforce with 14,000 plus people plus people working in the building plus how do you or 17,000 I don't know it depends I mean even if you go half capacity you're looking at 10,000 people in there right yeah but and Heather, and more I, I know I know but you know, I know you you're going to have that. to bring in more people to enforce that. Do you want to be the guy that's running up and down with the guy playing the game? Hey, drink a beer, right? Yeah. Because like on an airplane, you can have it down if you're eating or drinking. Well, I'm just going to fucking eat the whole time I'm on the airplane. Then if I don't want to wear my mask, I will slowly eat a bag of friggin' Cheez-Its or whatever. Take an hour to do so. Chew, I, chew and drink. I know you. I know you understand it all and so on, but it, my point about this whole thing is this like following through, you know, if you make a commitment on something and you come out publicly, then do it 100% or don't bother saying it at all. But I just don't like the idea that everybody's being told to do something in line before you get into the building. And then when you're in the building, it's like a totally different story that nobody's there to say anything at all. It's just, well, it's like just very weird. Like I said, it's probably easier to control when everyone's in line and going in. Than Money it is talks. When... Well, no, I'm just thinking. I mean, you're all crowded in in the control line, which that alone makes cracks me up. Everyone's like, man, like cattle. Like it doesn't matter. If we have mask or no mask. This is this is something I'd like to see go away in humankind forever. Everyone yeah, should too. be respecting personal space, period. I don't, I never wanted anyone up my ass when I was at the checkout line and I don't need them now, whether <laughs> there be the cooties or the not cooties out there. So 
for me, it's just like a logistical thing. Like what's reasonable? I think it's reasonable and you can control at least seeing a proof of vaccine card or passport or picture. That's something reasonable that you can enforce. The cop doesn't have to let you on the escalator that brings you up to check your ticket or whatever. I do not think it's reasonable to get that many people in a giant place to conform to something like a mask mandate. So it's like, I guess when I was used to teach, because it was too hard to enforce, quote unquote, the cell phone rule, they just gave up on the cell phone rule, but not yeah. in my room. Right. My Rules room, are meant to be broken. I get that. Right. But if you, but like you said, if you mean it, then people will follow the rule. Cause that's the thing is they're not going to follow it if you don't mean it. So like in my classroom, everyone knew the fucking phone rule. Like Miss Ingerson's not playing. I will take your phone and I'll make your mother come get it the first time, not the second time, the first time. Keep it away. You don't need it. You're Jeez, in history you're class. Harsh, huh? No, it's just that uh, phones are distracting. I also oh, I will know. not be on my phone during that time because it is easy to just, you're just going to look at the text or you're just going to, right? Um, I personally think in the hallway or in lunch or whatever or in your downtime, that's fine. But when like actual whatever class. And you know what didn't happen? And only one time of all the years did one class test me. And you know what they did? Every day they came back into my classroom. They put their desk their phones on my desk. They got to bring them to lunch and they gave them back for a whole quarter. They were seniors. Nice. They wanted to test me. They knew I meant it. So that's what it's going to take. Someone yeah. actually getting fined. But we've had all these fines if you didn't have your mask through the first part of this whole pandemic situation. You ever see anyone get fined? No one even gets arrested for flipping the fuck out over things. like. But <laughs> to me, it's just not logistically sensual to do it. Sensical to do it, not sensual. Wrong word, but same yeah. thing. Although masks are sexy because you're not word people. <laughs> um, I used to be a word person, but I've had life sucked out of me, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but to me, it seems way more enforceable to check the vaccine cards than it does to just disperse a bunch of drunken Bostonians and visiting friends into. Agreed. Hey, one, one question I do want to ask you, though, is like uh, one of our friends and, and listeners, Callie Patrick, um, was was mentioning on an article that was written um, by Black and Gold hockey writer. I think it was, oh shoot, oh oh Sam Minton. It was Sam Minton, uh, uh, one of the hosts on the uh, Dump and Change Hockey podcast. Fantastic guy. Um, ab about the uh, protocols and so on, and everything changed. And she commented, she's like, "So what has actually changed?" Heather, what has actually changed to to have Callie ask that question? Because it, it does kind of seem the same um, without really much dialogue on the where we're like figuring out what the actual change was. Mm, that that's true. I don't think it's there is no meaningful change. It because like any law, right? Like. I mean, it says you can't drive 65 miles over 65 miles an hour, but if no one makes you not drive over 65, you know, maybe they let you drive 70, you push it to 85, no one ever pulls you over. You're going to keep driving 85. No, right. Fun, you know what I mean? I get it. And I think that's partly what it is. Like, it's more like words. There is no real change embedded in it. It's pretty much more of the same. And All right. That makes I don't sense. know if that just because it's you got to pick your battles too. Sometimes that being said, though, like I said, I know Boston's implementing some some serious indoor uh, not restrictions in order to not say make the garden go to half capacity. Everyone has to do all these things, not just at the garden, but also TD. I mean, I'm at like 
restaurants, uh, indoor gyms, things like that. Um, good luck. I don't know. Yeah, good luck, oh, Michelle Wu or whatever. What's her name? Not. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I don't mean to forget your name, lady, that just got elected to the mayor of Boston. Um, I don't live there, so I'm not that attached. But I do hear your name a lot, so it's weird that I would forget it right now. All right. Well, on more bad news on the Bruins front. I I love Zaboral, and I'm so mad right now. So uh, Zaboral indeed wasn't just being reevaluated in two weeks because he tore his ACL and just had surgery. I know. I was hoping, I was really hoping that the the long evaluation and not the the uh the real quick like um yeah, he's he's did this, he did that was like a promising thing kind of like hey, this could not be so bad, but let's 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 walk, you know, let's tread lightly on this one. Uh but ultimately it was um it was uh what MCL it might I thought it was his ACL. Yeah, okay, whatever one, but still it's it's uh but unfortunately it's, it's season ending. Um, you know, who knows about playoffs. Let's not even, you know, do that, but um got to give the kid a shout out um to from coming up a lot of people, a lot of doubters, you know, and I get it. The the whole 2015, man, you know, crap. But still, it's this is a type of player you look at and you see the hard work that he's put in, you know, what, when he was drafted playing for St. John's and then coming into Providence and, you know, um, just the hard work. It's not, it's not how fast he got to the NHL after leaving the podium, but it was, it was just, that's the way development happens. It's just, that's, I mean, it's it, it's development is good on a slow process too. And this is a perfect example. Zaboral. Welcome back, Heather. Um, Thank you. Sorry about that. Some weird thing like no popped up and blocked out. Sorry. No worries. But I, I was just talking about how th- this has not been like a huge issue for me when it on the rush of Zaboral to the NHL. So I think that, you know, there's been trials and tribulations through his development here and I totally get it, but I also like the patience that the Boston Bruins had with him uh, until he got his chance this year. And, and I think he really proved in a very small sample size that there's potential there to even to keep further. So um, I just want to give a shout out to his effort this year to come in and, and know that this Boston Bruins team is going to be will heavily rely on you, especially with how many injuries happen during the, these early regular seasons, which have been a trend lately. Injuries happen all the freaking time, but it always seems like the defenseman hit us early and then come back healthy uh, mid-season and ready for a playoff run. But, um, you know, I just, he's, just, he's just a good kid. Great interview. I've, I've interviewed him several times down in Providence and at development camps at Warrior Ice Arena. So um, it just sucks because – there's a lot of people that were backing him like, hey, 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 we might have something here. You know, this is the this is the Yakov Zaboral or Jacob, whatever you want to call him, Zaboral that that we wanted in the 14th pick in 2015. So, you know, it just really sucks. And I feel so bad for him because, you you know, you know, as a prospect guy and a guy that, you know, I'm a credential writer. I go down to Providence all the time. I, you know, you you create a little bit of a relationship with these people and it's, you know. It's it's you feel for him 
when shit like this happens. My thing is, I like him, and I he's one of the ones I've been waiting. You know, I don't buy into everybody that we draft or whatever, but I was excited about him. I was excited last year. Like I said, I mean, him and Lazan, like, good job, you know, doing what you're being asked to do in a very messy situation on that back end. Yeah. I was surprised that Zaboral did not stay up, um, given that our defense, although we did sign Mike Riley and Fober, whatever, um, it's not like that made us spectacular on that back end. And I was glad to have him back up. Like, yay. It's like, again, it's your spot. Like, keep it, kid, keep it. And it just fucking sucks, dude. I feel like this happens yeah. all the time. I would like to defend the class of 2015 by saying, well, goddamn injuries half the time. Some of them, every time yeah. they get a whiff, they friggin' That's true. are out. And that's hard to get through, too. But, no, we wish him, like, a good Can swift I recovery, as swift as possible. Just... Can I add on to just a little bit of this Absolutely. conversation? Absolutely. Um, when you talk about Jakob Zaboral, I wish that he had the trust at the beginning of the season and even further back into when free agency happened. And you might not want to, you know, you know, take a, um, take a flyer on one player and so on. That roster spot could have been his a lot, a lot earlier, you know. Unfortunately, injuries got him in there, and and it basically was less like we can't take you out of the lineup because you're playing so damn good, you know. And that's a great thing to happen. And but I'm just uh, this injury really kicks me in the nuts because it's just like he was working so hard, you know. And I really hope that he is positive through the the re rehabilitation and gets healthy. And um, you know, he's he's an RFA at the end of the season with arbitration rights, so. I don't think that I think that the player and agent are going to work with the Bruins to try to get something done. I would like to see him around on a two year short term deal to see if that, if we could tap into what we saw this year, that sample size into a contract for an extra two and be kind of a more of an NHL regular at a very decent cap hit. I have I don't see him making $5 million. Do you No shit? Oh God. No, I hope not. We don't That's like a, million. That's like a two, five, three million dollar player on a short two year investment. Say, hey, you show us what you can do and we'll pay you after this. Mm -hmm. I, I just think that's smart business on both sides, you know? Well, you know how I feel about it at this point with all, not just 2015, just all of it. Fucking, I'm sick of hearing we're getting <laughs> younger. We're going to do that. But then you don't fucking play the people that have been in your system this whole time and either let them sink or swim and ship out or stay in and not just, I don't mean to sound like fucking poetic or whatever. I'm not trying to rhyme. I'm just saying it's, it's getting really tiresome and it gets heartbreaking when you see shit like this happen. Sink or fucking swim at this point, because you're not really getting younger if you're never actually getting younger players that will actually you either let do something or get right. something in return for them. You know, like, again, I love Jake DeBrus. But if I want to let Jake DeBrus go, I better be getting at least a Jake DeBrus in return for him. No more of this because we're the worst traders. We really are. The trade deadline. OK, but like any other point, I mean, like, hey, man, you want Joe Thornton? What are you going to give me this? Poland Springs water bottle. No free ads. Um, I'm just saying. Um, I can't. No, I feel disrespectful saying that. I love Marco Sturm. You know, I love Marco Sturm a lot. Oh, yeah. a lot. Um, but he was the best one out of that trade. Turns out everyone was like, Who the fuck is Marco Sturm? I'm like, Marco Sturm. 
and then it I mean, turned Brad, out to be all right guy. <laughs> Brad Stewart was all right, but like Wayne Primo, really? Come on. He was the one everyone was like, yeah, Wayne Primo is going to be the best. Yeah, because yeah. They, was, they would think of, of his brother, Keith. <laughs> so. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to get this guy. It could have been right. better than it was. Um, yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, that's what I'm getting. So, and, like, I feel bad. Whether it's the constant, you're like, you're constantly blaming certain draftees for not doing it. But th- this is something that we could go back to talk to. Maybe not this week. Maybe we'll use it for next week. Cause let's face it, everything okay. shut down over the next week. Um, but are we really as good at drafting and developing players? Maybe Sweeney's good at drafting, but we're not that good at developing. Maybe we were better at the developing when Sweeney was the developer instead of the drafter. I'm just saying like we went from being one of the most coveted prospect pool or whatever kind of situation. I do that in quotations because who knows what exactly makes a prospect or not. I know that you have certain parameters. Some people have a little different parameter for the sake of saying the people who are not on the big squad, right? Yeah. Maybe it's not the wrong players we're drafting. Maybe it's the way we're developing some of these players, right? I'm just saying. So maybe we need to work on that. Maybe we'll Um, you develop. No, I'm just (sighs) I do understand what you're saying. And I, I and there's one word that that's comes to mind is, is utilization. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that that's what the Bruins need to do with these younger players moving forward from this year is better utilize them because if they, if you, if they have the talent, give them the chance, you know, but give them a longer look when they can get a little bit of comfort camaraderie with the, with the team chemistry on a with a line mate you know ease a player in but then bring them back enough that you're like you're giving them a taste let's see what you can do if you happen to do a downslide i just lately i'm really bought into this boston bruins organization is so heavily laden on we need our veterans and we're going to give them as much time as needed to buckle through and 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 get this club through some tough times. And I don't know. I'm I'm I, I'm seeing different trends now. I'm not seeing these. I love the veterans. Bergy freaking guy all the way. Marshan, blah, blah, blah. All these guys that, that got me to see my first cup in 2011. As a human being on this freaking earth. Absolute respect for. But it's not getting done. You know, it's kind of a mediocre team now. And I hate saying that. I I hate it. But at the same time, it'll be less painful if we're honest about it. It'll be less painful. Right. But I'm not the guys that are going to go out there and pitchforks and freaking torches and say, fire Sweeney, fire that. I mean, yeah, I would like to see somebody different, a different voice and so on, blah, blah, blah. Preferably a non-Bruins player. That was in air quotes if you didn't see that. Mm -hmm. But it's just, we need to change. We need to change the philosophy, message, whatever. It's just, but I'm not the guy that's going to be like, we need to freaking blow it up. So many people are like DMing me, like, we need to trade this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. And it's like, whoa, what are you doing? We still need these, some of these guys to move forward. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, though, is that I think what's frust. I know, at least for myself, I can only speak for myself, but I would think some other people out there is... So I'm someone who does think you need a veteran presence of some sort. You don't need to be dragon ass old, nothing's happening. But 
There's a reason why the Swaymans of the world come down. There's a reason someone blows off like Jake DeBrusque with fucking 20 whatever goals and then has a few. Because, again, to put in perspective, Jake is only 24. I know he seems like he's Brandon Kyle is only They've been around a long time, but they are still just kind of hitting that sweet spot, which is part of the argument, right? This is where you have to move or whatever. But sometimes system – I'm not saying – The players don't have to learn the system, listen to the coach, do whatever. But at the same time, sometimes you need to adapt your message, your system, your whatever to reach the widest audience and also take feedback in which, all right, we're doing it the same way we always did. You know, like I'm sick of hearing that the youth is coming, but the youth is not coming. I'm I'm getting (coughs) more $3 million a year players, which I'm not saying I do like some of these signings, even though some of these players haven't necessarily been living up to at least what I would expect of them, right? Like Eric Holler to me is a good signing for the Boston Bruins. He plays fast, he crashes hard when he's on when he's playing, right? So even though he's not gonna give you 40 goals, he's gonna help generate that kind of style and play that you want. Kind of message. I think we've had a lot of new people. We keep getting people come in and out and in and out, but you don't let anyone stay. I hate fucking Nick Ritchie, right? You know how I feel about the Nick Ritchie, but Nick Ritchie fucking was one of your best players last year, sad or not sad. And you, so you don't resign. So you let, I understand like fourth and third and fourth line are rotating places, you know, whatever, but you put Chris fucking Wagner down on the Providence Bruins, who's playing all right down there. And but yeah. it's not like you, but what I'm saying is him doing what he's doing. It's not any different than half of what everybody else has been doing up here either. So really did we have to demote like at least Chris Wagner doing Chris Wagner things up here? He might be getting that a little bit more salary. Cause let's face it. He doesn't make that much money. You know what I mean? Yeah. But is that really any better than the half not working out plug and play or whatever kind of thing when you, it's the decisions like that that are befuddling the shit out of me, right? For yeah. two years after you let Krug and Chara go. Nothing against Forber well, and Riley, but actually, yeah. So you held on to your three core D, you know, your young ones or whatever that you're going to. But Grizzlick's not getting any younger. That dude's at 30, you know, things like that. But you didn't – you could have gone instead of getting $3 million if you already have – like from in Providence, you can bring up your own goddamn third and fourth line players. Why do you keep going and paying millions of dollars to people out there? And then you let them go. Dan Heinen has nine goals this season. You know who doesn't? Oh, dude, David he's fucking on Pasternak. Fire. David yeah. fucking Pasternak. So I'm just going to put that out there. So maybe, again, this goes back to sometimes it's not the player. Sometimes a player needs a fresh look. Just saying. You, you're talking about, you, you said the word befuddling and you and you mentioned forward. Um I, I want to like go back on the um, topic of uh, Jakob's Borel and his injury and so on. Like I really wanted with the sample size that we all saw. I wanted to go back in a time machine and be like, this Boston Bruins management needs to have more faith in this kid than signing. Give the money to this kid that's been in the system and so on. Cause we obviously he's been very good when he was healthy and on the ice and one of the one of the better defensemen in a freaking you know small span before the obviously the uh December second um injury. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would give I would have given Jakob that time over Forbert any time. You know, you gotta believe in these guy kids that are coming up, you know, play them, give them the give them the trust. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna know what you fully have and until you freaking play him and give him a chance and and I go back 
to you remember when Cam Neely back like freaking six, seven years ago said we're just sprinkling talent all over the league with the trades and everything like that. Well, you're doing the same thing right now. You know, <laughs> 2000, 2015, they had 10 draft picks in a seven round draft. Okay, now we're gonna get hate mail about the 2015. Yeah, I know, draft. I know. Um, which actually I think had a lot of talented people, and I get it, and you never know what's gonna happen. But again, I'm also in the philosophy, and again, it's not I'm not trying to hammer Cassie, especially going into the next topic, but the long and the short is it can be the players, it can be the message, it can be whatever. Just like you got to play the system that's been dealt you, you got to fucking learn to play and deal with the players that aren't necessarily your perfect bread and butter. Because frankly, you're not doing a lot with those people either. I'm not trying to be an asshole, but how many people on the Bruins team right now are people that Cassidy came with him from Providence or came up from Providence? How many people? Not many, not right? Not many. Not he many. got drafted to them. So like McAvoy yeah. and them. Actually, did McAvoy Whoa. get drafted? No, was that Claude still coach when that happened? I don't remember. I might be getting 2016, 17, that area a little confused. But uh, the Bergeron, Boychuk, uh, Tuca, that generation, that was Coach Claude was the coach when that happened. I'm not saying he developed them in Providence, but right. those were his boys that came up from Providence, half developed, and he finished developing. All of Cassidy's boys are still being buried in the AHL, right? And yeah, I actually. Or remember. I'd say Jake Jake DeBrusque is someone in, that he has had his hands on. Charlie McAvoy, he's a more ready-made NHL. I'm not saying that Cassidy hasn't made him better, you know, as a coach. It, it, good thing, but stop telling me Cassidy is the youth coach. He knows how well, to talk to his players. Then why do we look like a bunch I, of fucking mush? But I was doing that to you and all my listeners on this freaking podcast as well. I was just like, you know what? This guy can do it down in the AHL. He's got a good message. Players adjust to him. They play well for him and so on. And I thought that the promotion of him going to the National Hockey League from Providence would usher in a younger crew. You remember this conversation over and over again? You know, it's like, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Just like when you tell me certain players, wait till you see them. And again, I'm not blaming. Uh, the okay. All right. How, how, no, how often have thing, I been? Though, how right? often have like, I been? I'm no expert and I'm not no, working no. on elite prospects or anything like that, no, no. but I no, travel but around and is... I see my fair share of prospects, but how often have I been? Am I a terrible prospect guy? Not really, but it's not your okay. fault if they don't become like, cause again, when you're looking at an 18 year old getting drafted or signed by somebody, that's a different player than an actual NHL fucking player playing right. in an NHL system. And you know, for me, so even players, I don't like, it doesn't mean they're not perfectly good players or whatever. Like they can be better somewhere else or that's fine. And I'm willing, and I, and contrary to popular belief, I don't hate young players. I like young players, but I just need people who can actually play the fucking game. Like you can't babysit at the NHL level. Right, that's fine right. for a couple games to fill in, but that's not okay. If like, Hey, uh, prospect number three, you're now our second line, right wing. Congratulations. Come on down. <laughs> Come on down. You're the next contestant on Cassidy's. And that's the thing that I think bothered me this week. It's not, not Cassidy. Yeah, so he's wheel of not Cassidy. But why does everyone act? Cassidy is not Patrice fucking Bergeron. Bergeron could shoot somebody. We'd all be like, I don't know. I mean, if Bergeron shot a guy, there had to be uh, a reason. It was somebody what else on the grassy knoll. Thing that Bruce Cassidy is the most greatest coach. He's a great coach. I'm not trying to. Great coach. He's on the list of the top winning NHL, I mean, uh, Bruins head coaches or whatever. Great. I'm not just taking that away from him. He's a good coach. I personally 
feel manic with his style. I don't like it. I am a girl that would like us. Again, it doesn't have to be 1991 heavier, but a little more 2011 heavier in certain points. That leads us, um, you know, but overall, I mean, even if you want to look at the playoffs, right? We didn't make it. We didn't make it. I can't blame him or Claude. The team was what it was in 2016-17. They obviously split the season. Oh, my God. We lost. Lost to the fucking Ottawa Senators. Uh, We won a round the next year, and then we lost in the second round. We won a round, lost. No, we won a round, won, 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 and won. Then, oh, no, we didn't win. That's right. I remember we lost. Then we got knocked out in the second round a couple of years or whatever. Lottie fucking da. So it isn't as if besides the two years we didn't qualify, we're pretty much still overall been the same goddamn team in a different thing. Only we used to be a powerhouse. Like we lost the Stanley Cup. Not that obviously in turn they beat us, but like the Bruins lost that cup on their own accord. St. Louis, not taken away from you. Good team. You deserve the cup. I always say that I will have to eat that for the rest of my life. But here's overall, another caveat, Court. I mean, uh, Heather. Oh my God, I called you geez, Court. You just call me Court. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no, my wife Court, not the uh, the other one. Um, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> oh, I lost my, I lost track. I lost track. Another Damn caveat it. of. Yeah, I lost it. Just, anyways, Cassie again, a good coach, but this was what the next. All right, do you want to just do the next topic then? Is everyone acted like such little fucking babies when David Backus was asked a thing. He made one little comment. All he he was asked by you, and if you've ever listened to Cam and Strict, it's kind of serious, but they can also fucking throw in some of those kind of chicklets want it like that. David Backus is a respectful human being, and all he did when asked seemed like there was a philosophy difference or something with you. Never fucking... Like you can maybe perceive he was, but really the point was saying, you know, they had different styles, right? And he's not wrong when he says Cassidy was a quick puck moving defenseman and I used to eat quick puck moving. He's not fucking wrong, right? But you can't tell me I'm the only one that's like, "Mm, something about your stubbornness, Cassidy, gets to me. Because you know what? If we were going to lose game seven, I wanted us to lose game seven with David Backus getting a chance to fucking bounce the shit out of his former team that he captained to maybe give a little effort because frankly I love again I love fuck it what's his name I'm sorry Carson Kuhlman but one goal does not make your getting paid the salary that dude is and if anything at least it's game seven you should let your veterans fucking play dude you should as an organization on some level Again, given the fact we always have that tier of like four players that anybody could be anybody there, right? What damage would have been done, especially well, in a game that you're losing to maybe about, shake it up a little? What about the most motivational freaking factor in this? Like back in 2011, Mark Recchi, everybody wanted to do it for Mark because he was a mm-hmm. great freaking player and a great leader. But where was that thinking of from the coach? When you put like a player like David Backus is like, oh, this guy's in the lineup. Let's do it. You know, let's, 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 you know, do our best. And I, I know we don't do everything for just an individual, everything's a team effort and so on. But still, it's like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure if the, if him in the lineup would have changed anything, but still, it's just like that. You might get an extra two or 3% out of a player if, if a player like that is in the lineup because he's a, he's a veteran, he's a good person, a great play, you know. Hall of Famer, probably. Well, and just even 
what you might have him unleash. Cause he had played that series and played all right when he did play that right, series. Right. But just even psychologically, what that would do to St. Louis to see their former captain now game seven doing everything. And even if it's not the best things, let's face it, that game seven, there were places I would have liked David Backus in front of that net to fucking, sure. you know, sure. I mean, he did thing. And, but my whole point was everyone made it like a dra dramatic thing. I mean, again, everybody can listen to it, interpret of it. I did not interpret it as him necessary. I, I mean, obviously, I don't even think it was sour grapes. I think he was asked a question, and David Backus is an honest person. I don't think he was, wasn't like, I think Cassie's a fucking dick and he was burying me, you know, whatever. But honestly was giving his account of how, you know, was asked how it felt, you know, to kind of feel like he ended up getting buried. And he's not wrong that I don't think, because if you look at David Backus's numbers when he were here, the years that he was healthy and was playing, his numbers were pretty consistent with what you paid David Backus to be David Backus to do. And outside factors, right? Like getting sick, injured or whatever. And when you're 35 or whatever, it's not as easy to just, you know, when you're 23 and you get injured and you get back in the game, it's a lot easier to get reconditioned, things like that, right? So what I heard was Backus not blaming anybody. It didn't work out, right? I did not hear him like, like, like you would have thought he said, Cassie's the worst fucking coach and human being on the planet. He did not say that. He literally said, so taking 30 seconds out an hour interview seems ridiculous to me, but he was asked and he answered. And if you don't like it, and if you feel like, like the suck it up, David Backus, maybe play to your fucking contract. Okay. Well, well, two of the years he was sick and I'm not saying you don't have to play to your contract, but again, listen to what he's saying. Like, yeah, he talks about how it was a rough go when he was in Boston for numerous reasons, including having a hard time. He even said, I want to know what you want from me. He tried to do this, but you couldn't. Well, here's a tip. The young guys couldn't really fucking keep up in their quick new system either. Okay. Like yeah. we have those things. Like we still were small, you know, like he not. And this goes back to you. I guess what I'm saying is you were just talking about it. It's utilizing the strengths of the players that you do have, whether those are the players you want to have or not. Yeah. Like, don't no, I know. keep doing things that aren't going to work out. Do things that might work out. But he Sorry. also he also was on one of our favorite podcasts, the uh, Dropping the Gloves hockey podcast mm -hmm. with John Scott and uh, Tim, producer Tim, fantastic program. About a year ago, was it? I would say maybe Probably. even less a year ago. But he also said that the culture was, like, very different. David Back is coming into the Boston Bruins organization. You know, and saying, Ooh, Jesus, like taking a step back and at an angle, and like, this is not what I expected to come into. And then made himself known, like, to make suggestions on how to get the culture back and so on. Um, well, he said, Chara asked him, you know, told him when he first got there, if you see anything, you say something, you know, as right. Chara tries to include everyone in. And I think exactly. that's respect one captain to another, like, absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe, like you said, you Captain can have the same people. Veteran to veteran, you know, that's just something that that's camaraderie in the room. Let's get it. You know, if there's a problem, let's figure it all out as a family. You know, mm -hmm. it's just the, those assets are just uh, uh, so valuable, you know. Mm -hmm. But even he said, and like in his interview on Cameron's trick, he was even saying, even though he wasn't out there, didn't they wouldn't let him eyes. When he was there, he was trying to get people fired up, trying to, you know, at least be what he could do, be the veteran voice on the bench, things like that. But right. the drama of like David Backus ripped it. Oh, suck it up, David Backus. No, fuck you. David Backus should be respected for the veteran that he was, for the career that he fucking True. had in the class and in his time as he was. And I don't mean to 
like belittle anybody out there, but the, I didn't like what you said about Cassidy in the 30 seconds. And again, he didn't bash Cassidy. He's not wrong. David Backus is a big, hard heading power fucking forward. You know what I mean? And he's a quick moving Bruce Cassidy, like a Don Sweeney is the like Tory Krug. Like now they're a quicker, smaller defenseman out there. They were all in a generation too early or whatever kind of thing. That's true. David Backus was at an age in a transition. And I'm sorry, whether the league's getting quicker or not, no one paid David Backus to come here and be the quick guy. That's not how he was signed. Dude. Also, he, the be you should know the coach you're going to play under. Oh, you mean how he signed up to sign under Claude Julian, who would have utilized his talents a little bit better because that's more Julian style. But again, you get what you get and you got to figure it out. And for the first few years, because even the next year, Backus had pretty good numbers, him and Cass, you know, so it wasn't a, I think in the beginning, it definitely seemed that, you know, like Becca said, I need you to tell me what you need from me. Cause you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not Bergeron or Marsha. I'm not, I'm not right. Marsha. I'm not taking off you anymore. I mean, do you want me to lay someone off to the side so they can get in? I can do that. You know, and maybe that, but it can't every time. Cassidy can't figure it out with the player B. We bury it on the ninth floor. We do whatever. And again, I'm not attacking Cassidy. Sometimes it's you get what you get. Like right now, we might be have Jay DeBrus clear till the trade deadline now. I only know. because we're not trading. People are on freeze, not just because it's on the actual freeze right now, but because the last thing you want to do is have to move to a new city, get traded. What are you getting for assets? Like no one knows what's going on. And that in itself, would it be just better for most people to just kind of sit where they're at, even if they're out there. I mean, look, I said, Tarasenko has been sitting on St. Louis for a fucking year and a half or whatever. And he still goes yeah. out there and plays. And exactly. Having oh, a good God, year God. too. And I don't want everyone to think it's just because I'm defending David Backus. It's just, I'm so sick of this bullshit of like Bruce Cassidy is infallible. It's not. And just like when we criticize a player and as we talk about, we try to talk about what's going on with somebody or like a situation. Not necessarily. Sort of there are some players I fucking hate. Like, I'm sorry. I still hate Nick Ritchie. I'm glad he's on Toronto. Like, you know what I mean? But we oh, try you're to just attack. Happy your your if, troll's not for controlling you anymore. If we attack <laughs> a player or something, it's out of what we're seeing at this time. So that's, I just want to put, I don't hate Cassidy. He's, I, yeah. I like, he's our coach. We don't I would hate like anybody. him. I would like Cassidy to get his room together a little bit and get his ducks in a row. And that is his job, what he's getting paid to do. Just like Bergeron's job is to get the players, be the, fucking guy on the crowd there to do it. I just, something needs to change. Like you said, on this team. And in the end, if it needs to be all of them, then that's what it's going to have to be. Not you, Patrice. Right. Wrong. We're keeping you forever. We're going to put you in glass case. We're going to Han Solo your ass and you're never leaving the garden. No, I'm just, I don't know. I, I gotta tell you something real quick. If okay. I would listen to the 31 thoughts hockey podcast about uh, last week when uh, Paul Maurice um, resigned, Mm-hmm. Um, and those guys saying that he would be a fantastic GM. Ooh, that's a guy I would like to see uh, a GM in the NHL sometime, but I'm not saying that he should be the Bruins GM, but just throwing that out there. Non-player, nothing to do with the team, fresh voice, fresh vision. Let's effing go. I'm not sure about GMs or whatever, but I will say that I do agree that I think we need somebody who's not. The Bruins are very incestual in who they like to hire and keep in line. And 
I mean, I think it'd be funny if we hide Julian. Yeah, just kidding. You had your chance. <laughs> I think Bergie's mine again. Bye, baby. Like, again, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I do think, though, that somewhere in this organization, we need an outside voice. Sure. I'm not saying we need to blow everything up. I'm not even saying we have to fire what we have. But they need fucking somebody that isn't within the system to come in yeah. and help. Because, again, it's a good system. It's been a good philosophy. It's gotten us this far, or at least to the second round most of the time. Just need some but, tweaking. Just yes. need some fine tweaking on how to utilize your team. And, and, that, and that comes from the management to the coaching to everybody. Everybody's got to be accountable for what's being put on the ice right now and has been put on the ice for the past several years. All right. Well, I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit, but – uh, I, the next thing that I have down, cause this is all depressing. I feel like I'm attacking. It's like, <laughs> it's a depressing week in hockey. I feel like half this season. I know this is what happens when postponed shit happens. We get depressed. But, yeah. This, <laughs> this, this week in the, they could be a Bruin of the week. We will talk about Jacob, uh, Chikorin. Uh, it has been suggested and you had heard free. I think you said Elliot Friedman and I'm talking about it perhaps. Uh, but I've seen it in different places over this week. Uh, he's an Arizona Coyotes defenseman. Uh, he's 26 games played this year, two goals, five assists. His plus minus is atrocious. And I understand most people don't care about plus minus, but atrocious like a negative 29. So that's the kind of plus minus that does make you want to throw up a little. If someone has a negative four, I'm not like whatever, but a negative 29. And I looked at his career stats and like he ends up. So that means mm, a lot of goals are going to get scored when you're on the ice or whatever, but um, his numbers are all right. Uh, he's only 23. His contract, though, is 4.6, and it's through 24-25. In those last two years, he has a no-trade clause. But um, what do you think in the – We, I mean, we could use a defenseman, but is, is oh, this, would this be acquiring this, the same shit we already have, I guess? This is the type of defenseman that you build on with, like, Charlie McAvoy. Not saying that they should be paired together at all. Man, I mean – I hate saying that Brandon Carlo would look good as a third pairing defenseman with Chikrin involved. McAvoy, Chikrin, Carlo. Holy crap. That'd be freaking scary if it could work. Number one, I just don't think that we have the assets to do it. And I hate saying that, but we don't have the prospect pool. I don't think we should freaking trade first round picks, regardless of how Don Sweeney has uh, drafted previously. Because a lot of people hit me up like, um, why not give a draft pick? It's he's just gonna screw it up anyway. No, it's a gamble. Um, and I think that we still need to replenish this prospect pool. We have LaSalle, we have Low Rye, we have some really good kids that are coming up through the system, but we still need to add to that system because the 2000, regardless if you loved it or not, the 2015 draft has been pretty much deplenished. Uh, that's not even a word, is it? depleted depleted oh my god <laughs> no i'm keeping that i'm keeping that in here because it just shows how dumb i am i'm not gonna uh, lie anyway <laughs> i was looking at um chikrin's uh point but totals why you're saying that so i'm like what word what my i know i'm sorry but what what boggles my mind is this he would be a fantastic asset in boston i guarantee it but i just don't see it working i don't see I don't see a team like Arizona who's going to want to rebuild with youth kind of sooner than rather than later are going to find any of the prospects very appealing. 
um, or their picks where they're picking. So, um, but the plus minus when you bring that up, that's a big narrative. Like anytime that happens, everybody shows a screenshot of his plus minus. And it's like, you that's no, I meant that's your no, no 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 I'm not saying you it's just yeah. like I'm, I'm saying Twitter and, and a lot of people is like think about that plus minus on a different style team you know give the guy a chance to freaking work with somebody different a better structured defense than Arizona I mean that's why he's getting but he's also on the ice a lot like 25 to like 30 some odd minutes sometimes it's, it's and he's it's, one of their most popular players too. Right. He sells a lot of shirts and stuff. No, the, my point was like, I was looking, I was like, mm, even though his numbers are good overall, like, you know what I mean? Cause again, I, I like to look at plus minus. Cause I do think at least in a short, like when you look at someone's season, it does tell you a lot about if it you're shows you how well you work with your team. Right. Like, or I, and again, I, I understand there are other factors. Like if you're yeah. def, if you're a good defenseman on a shitty defense, your numbers are going to be shitty or whatever. Yep. Uh, his numbers have been growing though. Even in 2019, 20, he had 26 points and he played most of the games. Cause the first few years, he, I don't know. I, I didn't look, he might've been injured too is why he played less games in between 17 and 19. But uh, last year I had 41 points. In 56 games. So he played all the games last year, right? It was a 56 game season. So my thing is that's a lot of money. I like him. He's a good player. Um, I don't think it, it would work out, but we, I don't know. I pretty much will take any serviceable defenseman right now. Like I just, someone yeah, who's going to just... actually help offensively or defensively. I can't continue to have you do neither people so... on the team. So Heather, uh, like, come down to earth with me a little bit, and like, just we're we're riding on the fine line of a wild card right now. When you're talking about the playoffs, hmm. this is the type of deal. If we had the assets, if you think about the prospect pool that we had, and you know, um, if we were just a little better, maybe if we were in the top four in the in the um, in the conference. This is probably a deal like Don Sweeney and everybody and, you know, working together at the table saying this is the guy that's going to bring us over the threshold. But I don't see that team this year. I don't I don't see Chickering being the only asset this, this Boston Bruins team needs to go on to a deep run. I see kind of like nailed it on that. I see kind of like one defenseman like Chickering and probably like two or three forwards that can finish that yeah. have trends of finish point production, you know, but we just don't have any assets to deal for people like that right now. And it's a sad reality to be honest with you. It truly is. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, we don't have the space for it and I don't think it's enough to make us more than a, if we make the playoffs be out by the second round team currently, it's going to take a lot more than that. That being said, I mean, if they'll take DeBrusque and a couple prospects, then I mean, yeah, just I saying because he's already got term. We know what we would have to be so paying. shit him. against the freaking wall, but I mean, if they, but that's what they, everybody does every week. They're like, we're no, going to get hurt. We're going to get whatever. Like, <laughs> I guarantee you, we're getting chicken before we're getting hurdle. I'm just throwing it out there. Right. Uh, you know, do you want to lock yourself into that? Is the cap going up? You want to say, okay, the cap will go up over the term, but yeah. we don't know that's really happening. Although they have made a lot of money back already and the gap seems to be not quite as large as they thought they are making good ground. But 
You, how could you not? All right, well, I don't know. Maybe you'll be a Bruins defenseman. Probably not. But that's your flavor of the week, Bruins fans, for potential <laughs> trade issues. Um, Happy birthday, Charlie McAvoy, turned uh, 24 today. Uh, that's a happy thing in Bruins land. Um, and he's not on the COVID list yet. So happy birthday, Charlie McAvoy. I mean, all your buddies are. No one could have cake with you. But um, And I guess the last thing that I have before I go through, because we are starting to get stuff done here, but is the long goodbye to the Olympics happened today. Yes. A couple hours ago, they officially, uh, the PA and the NHL. Kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. There's a lot of things I'm sure that went into that. Nothing, if not isolating any um, authoritative country. I think the players, I think a lot of the players really wanted to go. And the ones that are on the plus side of 30 years old right now, you know, because this is kind of their last opportunity uh, to get involved into um, uh, an Olympic Games like this. So it's certainly tough for them. um, But I I think a lot of the players did want to go and they were willing to to take the chances. But when it comes down to it, it's like if you pop a negative, a positive over there and the three to five week, like kind of quarantine time was really scary when it comes down to players getting paid, how long you're gone for, you know, and it's just, it was, it was probably going to be a really nasty mess that, I think both sides were smart to kind of back away. And I really feel bad for like a player like Sidney Crosby that would have another opportunity with uh, uh, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marsh and possibly working on the same line together. I mean, it sucks to think about, but I'm know, thinking the Russians are going anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll get them out of China. Right. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know that to be true. Uh, but I, I, that's not actual news. That's Inga just making up things. And yeah, where's like, where's Ovi? Like, I'm glad. Where's Ovi going? I'm going anywhere, no matter what. <laughs> oh, he probably he probably hasn't decided. He's talking it over, right? With the family, but anyways, the Olympic nightmare. Uh, maybe yeah. we're playing on the 27th. That. Being said, I think we're about to conclude the most depressing episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast in a long time. Uh, I'd like to I can't believe you, we rambled on for two hours, almost. Follow me, Inga the Big Mouth. Follow Mark, Black and Gold 277. Uh, follow all the following podcasts, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. That's us, rate, review, subscribe, all of that. Please, Share with please, your friends please. if you love them. Uh, dump and Change, Beehive, Puck Lines, Halts on Hockey, Causeway King, Short Shift. Third Line Grinders, Lindroth Hockey Podcast, the Black and Golden Teal Podcast, Providence Hockey Report, of course, and visit blackandgoldhockey.com. We got banners, we've got things, Bet Online AG, we've yes. got stuff and stuff and stuff, and Merry Christmas to our listeners, and thank you, and all that, Mark. I guess I'm sending it over to you for the Patreon. Yes, one of our favorite, our favorite. Patreon members, they're financial supporters. They're the best listeners. We love all our listeners, but the financial ones just get a little more love. Uh, but we do have a Patreon account. It is right here. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. Donate $1 per episode and you can get some fantastic prizes. Um, this in January, it's a new month. We gave away an Andy Moog. Uh, jersey to uh, Andrew Taverna. Uh, the month before that, we gave away a uh, Rick Middleton jersey to Maria from Watertown. Love Maria. 
Uh, those are getting out this week, guys. Sorry for the delay, but this week, I'm sorry, in the month of January, in the middle of the month sometime, Terry O'Reilly, hand-signed and fully authenticated. This for a dollar, guys. So go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Donate a dollar. And just a, real quick, I know I get annoyed, uh, people annoyed with this, but we take 50, 50 cents of your uh, investment and roll that over into these prizes, weekly prizes and so on. So, um, and we pay a little bit, bit of our bills as a small sports media company, and we certainly appreciate the help and any more um, uh, contributors in the near future. Uh, this week's um, Boston Bruins related prize, weekly prize, is Krista P. Krista P is an awesome freaking person, and she uh, donates uh, a lot. So, uh, truly appreciate her. And uh, we'll be reaching out to her to get her, uh, I believe, a signed puck. So, good stuff. And like I said, please go to the, the website, donate a dollar. We certainly appreciate it. We know Christmas is over, but like birthdays are coming up and so on. And uh, and, and your fan Valentine's came, Day. Valentine's Day. All this good stuff. And your fan cave needs an upgrade. You need more black and gold. Boston Bruins. Uh, authenticated shit everywhere. So, mm-hmm. Get on board. You know, you get some free stuff for a dollar. It's crazy. But anyway, that being said, that's that. That's, that's the episode. Uh, we wish we, on the flames. Yeah, we, yeah. We wish we had a little bit more uh, hockey to talk about. We've been in the uh, postponed world of this um, this kind of like pause. But um, Definitely uh, check out the World Juniors that are coming up next week. Yeah. Or this week, actually. Um, uh, one thing before we go, I just want to say thank you to the listeners, people that share uh, our podcast network, which Heather um, uh, mentioned earlier. But um, I do want to say um, happy holidays to everybody out there. We really appreciate all the support and so on. But we're thinking about you and your families during these tough times. But hopefully, safely, you guys can get together and uh, you know be with one another. But we truly appreciate the the uh, the awesome freaking feedback and the shares and everything like that. You guys are an amazing family, and we uh, we we couldn't be anywhere without you guys. So um, that's it. Uh, well, virtual hugs. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Love you guys. All right, we gotta go. Um, please be safe, um, and also please. It is Christmas time, so there's gonna be drinks going on. I know at my house, it's gonna be a heavy load of alcohol being consumed. But you know what? <laughs> I am not gonna drive. If I go anywhere, if I go for even a mile up the road, I'm gonna get an Uber or a cab or Lyft or whatever. And you guys should do the same. Please do not get in a vehicle this year. You want to be with loved ones, and you want to be safe, and you don't want to die. So, and you don't want to kill anybody else either. So, please be smart about it. But peace out, everybody. Thank you very much. We'll talk next week. Peace out, guys. Love you. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.